May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Glad you're here today in a little blustery morning. I want to talk to you this morning about this reading from the book of Judges, Gideon. The big idea is God's commandments are God's enablements. When God asks you to do something, he will give you what you need to get the job done. Or as we heard last week, God does not call the equipped. He equips those whom he calls. There you go. So today we meet Gideon, the mighty man of God. He didn't think he was the mighty man of God, but God did. and That's what counts. In order to give you a little background on this, I want to read the first few verses of chapter 6 of Judges. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed over Israel, and because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens which are in the mountains and the caves and strongholds. For whenever the Israelites put in seed, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up and attack them. They would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the land as far as the neighborhood of Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel, and no sheep or ox or ass. For they would come up with their cattle and their tents, coming like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted, so that they wasted the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the people of Israel cried for help to the Lord. When the people of Israel cried to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not pay reverence to the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And you have not given heed to my voice. That is the story, really, of Judges. The book of Judges gives us little historical vignettes. Vignettes during the 400-year period between the conquest of the promised land under Joshua and the beginning of the kingdom. In the book, we see the spiritual roller coaster ride of the nation of Israel. They kept repeating the cycle of falling away from the Lord going through difficult times, crying out to God, being restored back to God, and then falling away again. Somebody has written a five-chapter book to illustrate this. Chapter 1. A man was walking down the street. He fell into a hole. He groped his way in the darkness. After a long time, he made his way out of the hole. Chapter 2. A man was walking down the same street. He pretended not to see the hole. He fell in. After a long time, he made his way out of the hole. Chapter 3, a man was walking down the same street. He sees the hole. He falls in. He says it's not his fault. After a long time, he made his way out of the hole. Chapter 4, a man walks down the same street. He sees the hole. He knows it's there. He tries to walk around it. He falls in. He knows it's his fault. He quickly gets out. Chapter 5, a man takes another street. This is what... Israel was doing. They kept walking down the street and falling in the hole. And finally, they took another street. 
The enemy was the Midianites, we learn in those verses. Midian was a son of Abraham. Not sure if you realize that. Joseph was sold to the Midianite slave traders. So they have a history. They terrorized the Israelites. They would steal their crops and steal their animals. In verse 6, it says that the Israelites were brought very low. It means that they were at the end of their rope. They didn't know what they were going to do. They had no hope. In fact, we see Gideon threshing wheat in a wine press. A wine press was in a pit. A wine press was down low. You don't thresh wheat like that. You thresh wheat on a high place, usually on a mountain, with a flat surface and a hard surface where you can throw the wheat up in the air and the, cha the wind blows the chaff away and the wheat falls to the ground. The kernels fall to the ground. But they're so terrified of the Midianites that they're doing this in secret, in hiding. Talks about caves and strongholds and things like that. So like Gideon, we're living in difficult times. Uncertainty about the economy and COVID, and I don't know if you've bought gas lately. International scene is a mess. Lots of unknowns, reasons to be fearful and anxious. I think you see a lot of despair and depression and addiction and all these kinds of things. Um, it was interesting. It hasn't happened here, but in Australia, I think a week ago or so, there was a Roman Catholic mass being celebrated. During the mass, the priest is up here at the altar, and the police come in. They start walking around the church, making sure that people are properly masked, and they have their vaccination card to be at the church during the service. It was like, what? That kind of thing. It hasn't happened here, but that's what's happening over there. I would have to say all these people need Jesus. They need Jesus. They're terrified of life. Remember, all anxiety is due to uncertainty. People don't know what's going to happen, and they're kind of giving up. Keep me safe. I'll do anything you say. It's not the way God wants us to live. So the Lord appears. This is a theophany, an appearance of God. It says, the Lord is with thee, mighty man of God. This means God's power is upon you. Gideon didn't quite understand that. I think the same is true for us sometimes. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and God's power is available to us to do what God calls us to do. We don't have to rely on our own strength. We have his, and I think sometimes we just don't understand that. We don't get that. We say, oh, I can't. I don't know. I don't have this. I don't have that. But if he is in us, working through us, and he has called us to do something, we can do it. The Lord saw in Gideon what Gideon did not see in himself. When he calls him a mighty man of valor, it means a man who was charging right into the enemy. That's what that means. A mighty man of valor means someone who was charging right into the enemy, not holding back, not hiding under the table, under the bed, but standing up, moving forward, charging right into the enemy, taking the fight to the enemy. That's what God wanted Gideon to do, and that's how 
He saw him. Lately, you know, I, I would have to say the last year and a half, if I walk in the beach or God's speaking to me, it's the same thing. Stand up, stand strong, don't back down. Our sign, stand up for what's right, even if you're the only one standing. It's just re- this, this repetitive message, this repetitive word to us to don't back up. Stay strong. Keep moving forward. You're doing the right thing. I am with you. I think sometimes we see ourselves as falling short. We see ourselves perhaps as failures, not not doing everything that we were capable of doing or giving up. But I really believe God sees us differently. When Jesse looked at David, he saw him as his youngest son, a shepherd, probably not a, a lot of skill. God saw him as the king. I think sometimes we're, we're, own, we're our own worst critics. We're, we, uh, we sell ourselves short very often. God has equipped us for the work that he has called us to do, and I think sometimes we forget that. God knows what we will be when he gets through with us. He wants us to give us, give him our lives with all of our problems. He's able to transform us. I look at somebody like Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul. I mean, who was he? Pharisee of Pharisees. He was the guy who the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Sanhedrin would send out with troops to go to various cities like Damascus in Acts chapter 9 to round up these Jesus followers, these Jesus freaks, and bring them back to Jerusalem for persecution and sometimes death. He was the Christians' number one enemy, but God had a different plan for him. And when he has that encounter on the road to Damascus, everything changed for him. And he never wavered. He never looked back. With all the things that happened to him, whether it was betrayal by friends or stoning or starvation or shipwrecks, I don't care what it was. He never backed up. He never backed down. He always stood strong because Jesus, the Holy Spirit, was with him. And that's what God is calling us to do as well. Even Peter, in today's gospel, (laughs) that catch of fish, Peter's been out on the water all day long, all night long. Nothing, not a fish. He pulls the boats in, and Jesus says, just throw them over the side. Okay. And the boats start to sink because there's so many fish. And what does he do? He doesn't say, yeah, look at all these fish. He throws himself down at the feet of Jesus and says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And at another point, Jesus is going to say, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. But then he says, too, get behind me, Satan, so it's a little, little annoying. Gideon wants to know why his people are in such trouble. If you're real, how could all this be happening? Where have all the miracles gone? Hmm. If God is real, why did he die? Why did she die? Why did he get sick? Why did I lose my job? Why did I have that accident? 
Why? 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 My life verse is Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. I tell people nothing happens in the life of a believer apart from the will of God. Even if you don't understand it now, it will make sense later. And you, you, We can all do that. We look back in our lives and say, I, I didn't know why that happened then. It didn't make any sense. But now I understand that if that, hap- if that hadn't happened, this wouldn't have happened. Nothing happens in the life of a believer apart from the will of God. Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding, Psalm 3. The Lord tells Gideon to go, and he will be successful. Gideon's not so sure. He says, no, this can't be right. This can't be right. My father's house is very poor. We find out later that he is an outcast from his own home because his family is honoring these pagan gods and goddesses, and Gideon won't have any part of it. So he's an outcast as it is because he's trying to be faithful to God. Sometimes we're like Gideon. We know what God wants, but we're filled with fear that we might fail. You ever think that? I try something, but I just, I don't know. What if I fail? What if it doesn't work out? Is God calling you to do it? You have peace about what it is he's calling you to do. He'll give you what you need in order to get the job done. Our problem is we tend to focus on who we are and not who he is. Without him, we're weak, but with him, we are mighty warriors for God. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. When you're with me, you can do anything I tell you to do. The lesson here really is that God uses inadequate people all the time. He used Abraham, a pagan from Ur of the Chaldees, to be the father of the faithful. He used Jacob, a liar, to be the father of the nation of Israel. He used Joseph, a slave, to save the world. He used Moses, a shepherd and a murderer, to deliver his people. He used an unnamed servant girl to tell Naaman about God. Naaman was a Syrian general who developed leprosy. And a girl says, you need to go see this prophet in Israel, and he can heal you. So he goes and he's got all the gold and all the stuff on the camels and Elijah doesn't even come out. He sends his assistant, Gehazi, and he says, "Uh, dip yourself seven times in the Jordan. And Naaman says, what? Aren't the rivers back where I live better than this polluted cesspool? Huh. And the girl says, if he'd asked you to do something really, really hard, you would have done it. Just do it. And he does it, and he does it, and he dips himself in the river seven times, and he comes out, and he's clean. It was some unnamed servant girl that did that for him. He used Esther, a slave, to deliver Israel for such a time as this I have been called. He used Matthew, a tax collector, to write about Jesus, the king of the Jews. We have no idea how hated tax collectors were in that culture. They were Jews working for the Romans. I mean, I don't know what you think of the IRS, but it's nothing like Matthew. He used Saul of Tarsus to write over one half of the New Testament. Israel was crying out for a deliverer, and God's answer was Gideon. 
God used all these people and countless others down through the years because they were available to him for his use. And I always say that God is looking for two qualities and characteristics in people. Are you willing and are you available? Are you willing to do what I'm asking you to do and are you making yourself available to do what I'm asking you to do? So God tells Gideon he's ready to go, but Gideon's not so sure and asks for a sign. So he prepares an offering. It's actually very lavish. Gideon's a poor guy. He's not rich. But he goes and he gets uh, a goat and he gets all this uh, grain and he prepares this sacrifice, this offering, and the Lord receives it and he uses fire to consume it. He uses a, a shepherd's staff, a stick. And the Lord is telling Gideon it's going to be all right. And he uses that staff like a shepherd would use it, to control and comfort and guide and lead the sheep. He need not fear. When God guides, God provides. When he guides us in a particular direction, he provides what we need. I want you to see this short video. This, was, this video was made by me in 2013. Where I was walking, you are sitting. You are sitting where I was walking. All of that is done. I mean, it's amazing. The only thing left of those woods that I was walking in are those trees right there. Those trees. And thank the Lee Brown, you can actually see through them now. You know? We would come out here on the first Saturday of the month. I remember Carol, a whole bunch of us would come out here and just walk on the woods and pray. And then God provided what we needed. On December 1st, 2016, the vestry met for the one agenda item. Right? Anybody here that was on the vestry for, for that? Stand up if you, were, if you were there in that night and made that call. Yep. Brenda, Jim, Bob. In the back, is that... Deb, Tom, and we didn't have what we thought. We, we didn't have what we needed, but we knew it was time to go, dig the hole. And as soon as we did, God provided. So we had a funeral here on Wednesday for Andy Rose. God bless him. 
And unrelated to that, I found out later that somebody, and I don't know anybody that gives anything, somebody walked up to John Crispin and gave him a check for the mortgage reduction for $100,000. We are now $60,000 away from being under a million dollars on the mortgage. Woo! Man. Not too long, you know, you know they want to get rid of those portables over there for the school and build, build a building, right? They're working on that. And a couple of weeks ago, somebody walked up to Thomas Gerds and said, oh, here, here's $100,000 for your building fund. What? Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And people are beginning to assemble who are people who know people who can do really amazing things. And I'm wondering if God wants us to get rid of our mortgage so we can help them. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, boy. It never ends. But my point is God provides. When God guides, he provides. He gives you what you need, you know. We needed a youth building. And in 2018, we built a youth building. And there was no debt on the youth building. Just you did it. You did it. God does not want our go goats, and he doesn't want our cakes. He wants us. He wants us to yield totally to his will. If we do, he will use us in ways we can only imagine. And as we yield to him, he guides us into his perfect will each and every day. Gideon found peace and submission and worship, and that still works today. So if you want turmoil and sleepless nights, walk away from God you want peace and joy and happiness, surrender to the will of God. So just looking from the outside, it doesn't look like Gideon will amount to much in the Lord's work. He's fearful. He's timid. He's filled with self-doubt. He has more questions than answers. However, Gideon is the, the patience of the Lord with Gideon today. I'm telling you, mighty man of God, you're gonna, you're the one. I'm, I'm calling you now. Go. I don't know. I need a sign. God was very patient with him. <clears throat> However, Gideon is being brought to a place of service. The Lord's willing to take Gideon just like he is and shape him into what he wants him to be. Same with us. So what about me? What about us? Are we doing what the Lord wants us to do? Have we found that place of service that he wants us to fill? Are you fearful? Has he been calling us to do something, but we hold back? Right now, we're, we are about ready to have an Anglican Fourth Day uh, weekend in June, and we're looking for a team. We're also looking for candidates. We're looking for a team for Anglican Fourth Day. And, you know, if you've been on a Curcio or an Anglican Fourth Day weekend, uh, you could very well be eligible to be on a team. So we're looking for people who God might be calling to do that. Some of you have worked a team. Some of you have been on a, a weekend and not worked a team. But please pray about um, whether God is calling you to do that. And if he is calling you to do that, he will give you everything you need to get it done, and you're going to be wonderful. So this morning also I just found out, <coughs> this is from Marge, I've never seen anything quite like this. 
This fits over a walker, and it has pockets in it. So you put it over your walker, and it has pockets. And our ladies have made these. These are the shoebox ladies. This isn't a fundraiser. This is just something they're doing for people in nursing homes and assisted living. <coughs> they're also making these for them. They're getting ready to deliver these. This is a, this is a finished product. I found out about it about half an hour ago before the service started. I had no idea they were doing this. I didn't know. But this is th the kind of thing that happens behind the scenes. And with it is a card. Dear friend, in case you haven't felt it today, you are amazing, you are important, you are special, you are unique, you are precious, you are loved, God loves you, and so do we, your friends at Christ the King. Isn't that amazing? So things like that happening with baskets to the sheriff's department and the police department and the firemen and all those things, it may not seem like a big deal, but people don't expect it. And when they receive something they don't expect, it means so much more. And this is a very special place. You are very special people because God uses you in ways that maybe you hadn't thought you'd be used. So the question is, oh, we also need people for children's ministry, <laughs> you know, as we, uh, as we move down that road. You'll see a couple of videos today highlighting some of our children's ministry. If God is calling you to, to help with that, please pray about that as well on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. That would be very helpful. Or maybe the nursery as well. Is today the day we throw up the white flag of surrender and trust the Lord to do his perfect will in our lives. God can use you, even if you doubt yourself. Now, I want to show you a video. If the video is a song made by that very well-known Christian group, Rascal Flats. And as you listen to the words and the sentiment of this song, it may strike you that Joseph's middle name might have been Gideon.
Why Joseph? Why not? Why you? Why me? Amen. Mercy. Grant your wisdom and discernment.